Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm so glad you guys are joining me here today. Can you believe we are kicking off season five of this wonderful podcast? And that means I've interviewed 42 different people. Actually, I've interviewed a few more than that, but those haven't aired yet. And I tell you what, it is so much fun. We have a great season coming up for you this fifth season. And it's just so much fun to get to talk to all of these other homeschool moms and find out what's going on in their homeschool, what things they're doing, what their kids are doing, and just a little bit about their day. It makes it great fun for me. And I hope you guys are enjoying the show as well. Well, do you ever have a time where you have a friend and she has like secret hidden talents that you didn't know about? Well, that's kind of what happened on today's episode of the podcast. I actually interviewed Cindy West for the Your Morning Basket podcast. And during that podcast, she told me that her morning time was all about brain training. And I just kind of let it go over my head. I didn't really, I thought, oh, that's what she calls morning time. She calls it brain training. Well, come to find out, brain training is like an actual real deal. And it's something that Cindy has a big interest in, along with her interest in nature study and Charlotte Mason homeschooling. And just right now she's homeschooling boys and she's all about, you know, how to do that. But brain training is something else that she really has an interest in. So we're going to talk a little about her homeschool day, and we're going to talk a little about the brain training as well. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Cindy West homeschools her three children who are ages 20, 16, and 10. They follow an eclectic style, but identify most with the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling. Cindy is also the author of the popular Nature Explorer series, which can be found on her site at ourjourneywestward.com. Nature Explorer books are a unique blend of in-depth science and living literature that bring families closer to nature. Welcome to the program, Cindy. Thanks for having me, Pam. Well, I am so glad you're here with me today. It's always so much fun to get to talk to you. Tell me about your family. Okay. My husband and I have three children. And our oldest is 20. She is a sophomore in college and has made a great transition from homeschooling into the college life. Our middle child is 16 and he is a junior in our homeschool. And our 10-year-old is a fourth grader in our homeschool. We live on a farm in central Kentucky and we're busy, busy, busy. It sounds like you guys are, but it sounds like a wonderful place for kids to grow up homeschooling on a farm. But how did you guys get started homeschooling? Oh, goodness. That's a good story. So I was a teacher in the public school system. And when my oldest was born, I taught for a year. And every single day of that year, I told my husband I was miserable. And at the end of that particular school year, we had together decided that it was best for me to come home for a little while, just a little while and go ahead and raise this baby up before she left for preschool or kindergarten. So in those years, those, those few years before real school was supposed to start, I loved my life. I loved everything about being a mom and reading and teaching and 
just having a good time with this preschooler and along came the second one. And so time came to put her in kindergarten and I now had a little one, probably, let's see, he would have been about a year old at that point. And I looked at my husband and said, you know, I'm not really ready to give her up yet. And he said, so what are you proposing? (laughs) I said, well, you know, we know that one family at church that homeschools and their kids are really great and they're smart. And why don't you let me try to homeschool? And he said, okay, I kind of think this is crazy, but let's do it. And I said, you know, I'm a teacher. I I cannot ruin a kindergartner. We'll we'll put her in, in first grade when first grade comes. So first grade came, I wasn't quite ready, quite ready to give her up still. By the time she was in third grade and we were still homeschooling, my husband was fully sold on the idea. He saw the wonderful things that were happening in our family. He saw the great things the kids were learning and how we had this freedom to go out and do field trips and just whatever we needed to do. So once he was fully sold on it, I had been sold on it. But once he was fully sold on it, we just have not turned back. And so you've been doing it ever since. We have been doing it ever since. You know, that that makes me what, about 16 years into this now? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) quite a while. (laughs) And you have a few left to go. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny how often, you know, I ask people that question and it is the influence of another homeschooling family and how awesome those kids are. That is the catalyst that causes some family to start homeschooling. So that's really neat. Yeah. Well, Cindy, let me start you off with a question that I know that you've been a little apprehensive about, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm I'm going to to lay it out here for you and just lay it out open-ended. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? You know why this is so apprehensive for me? I love books so very much that when a question like this is asked, Every book that we've ever read or I've ever seen flashes through my mind. And I think they're all so good. I don't know what an answer. So I finally settled on the Swiss Family Robinson. And I figured it's because I'm homeschooling boys right now. And they do a whole lot of fort building and making crazy contractions here and there. And, you know, our homeschool day never looks the same. Sometimes things interrupt our day and we have to completely switch gears. And it just reminded me of this with Family Robinson. So there you go. All right. Well, there you go. And you know, the last time you and I were together, I think one of your boys was out like haying or something. And so you've definitely got a lot of practical life skills going on on the farm there. For sure. The farm life is a very good life. It's a very busy life. But it has offered my kids some really unique experiences that are great for them for work ethic and being able to to go out and handle those life skills later on in life on their own, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about homeschooling books. The homeschool book that has most influenced you is what? This is your stereotypical answer. I have listened to your podcast from the very beginning and nearly 90% probably of your guests say the same book, but it's real and it's true. And I've been promoting this book on my blog for years and years and years because it made all the difference. And that's For the Children's Sake by Susan Schaefer Macaulay. And when I came into homeschooling from the perspective of a public school teacher, I knew I needed to do homeschool different than public school. And that book gave me the exact picture of what I knew I needed to do, but didn't really know that it was okay to do it. 
And that was the gentle Charlotte Mason style of learning. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I have to say, I was wondering if you were going to say that one or if you were going to say better late than early, because a lot of people (laughs) talk about Dr. Raymond Moore's book too. I was like, oh, which one is it? But yeah, you're right. For the children's sake is such a huge influence on the homeschooling community for sure. Yeah. And I will say that I, Dr. Moore's books were some of the very first I read as well as this one. But this one, for the children's sake, is the one that really shaped what we have been all of these years homeschooling. Well, I have an admission. I have never read Dr. Moore's book. Uh, He has another one. I cannot remember what it's called right now, but it's actually the one I read very, very first. And it was just, you know, kind of like the better late than early. It's very much letting you know that it's okay to be on a different schedule than maybe the public school systems are and that you can do this and that homeschooling's okay and it's legal. Right. Yeah. I may have to go out and find that book and add it to my to read pile. Yeah. But I love For the Children's Sake. I've read that one multiple times and I definitely see Mm -hmm. why it's a favorite of yours. So, yeah. Well, are you a planner or do you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Okay, so this is a trick question. I am 100% a planner, but with the lifestyle that we lead, both in farming and my husband's jobs and just, you know, homeschooling, I now have high schoolers and college age kids who are doing jobs and this, that and the other. I have had to learn to become a fly by the seat of your pants type of gal. I'm not happy about it. I don't like living in that space. But I figure, you know, part of being uh, teaching homeschooling is, you know, the love of learning. I figure this is part of the thing that I'm still supposed to learn at this age of my life. And that is flexibility in my schedule. (laughs) There you go. I like it. Well, how do you fix a homeschool day gone bad? You know, it really depends on the situation. So the answer that I would have given you when all of my kids were little would have been, we just kind of put aside the books and we go take a nature walk or we fix some cookies together and then we enjoy those cookies with some living literature. While we still do some of that, once my kids got older, especially my high school age children, it's more of a suck it up buttercup type of attitude because, you know, homeschool days gone bad, (laughs) you still have to get your work done as a high schooler. So, you know, that's when I say younger kids, the answer is completely different than older kids. Although I will say that sometimes with those older kids, it is good just to put the books down, take a break, let's go for a walk. Uh, Our whole homeschooling journey, though, I have planned in special Sundays. So my kids, we haven't really had too many horrible, horrible homeschool gone day bad days because... They've always known that if we can just make it to Friday, Friday's a fun day. Or if we can just make it until next week, next week we're doing two field trips. So I purposely plan in Sundays so that the other days don't seem too monotonous for the kids. And we've never really struggled with bad days, you know, as a rule. So have you been able to maintain kind of this every Friday fun day thing as your kids have gotten into the high school ages? You know, we have. Now, not to the extent of little people. With little people, every single Friday was games and cooking and nature walks and art and field trips and those kind of things. The high schoolers have a lighter schedule on Fridays. And then I do include them. I say them. I only have one right now, but I still like to think my daughter's at home with us 
I do include them on some of the fun stuff, which would be, hey, we're going on a nature walk. Get your stuff done this morning because I want you to go with us. Or forget school today because we're all headed on this field trip. You know, something like that. Well, okay. At the West House, do you regularly homeschool in your pajamas? (laughs) That's a good question. Not our pajamas, but loungy clothes. So very comfy sweats or shorts and t-shirts, things like that. I just, I don't feel like any of us get much done when we're in our PJs, but I also don't want to be uncomfortable schooling all dressed up. So it's comfy clothes. Comfy clothes. Good. Okay. Well, Cindy, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that I read about on your blog, and it's called brain training. And this is something that you've written about and you've spoken about extensively on the homeschool speaking circuit. So tell me a little bit about what is brain training and how did you first become interested in it? Okay, I'm going to give you some very quick definitions that are not going to be very technical. And I guess before I start this, I want everybody to know that I am not certified in brain training or psychology or anything like that. While I have a master's degree in education and I have had classes in stuff that has to do with brain training and attention deficit disorder and dyslexia and things like that, I'm by no means an expert. So please understand that when I'm giving you this overview, it's truly that, just an overview. So brain training is basically, you know how you would pump iron for your muscles? This is kind of like pumping iron for your brain. It's making your brain stronger. And it's helping the left and right sides talk together better and work together better. And so brain training is just targeted exercises that help that to happen. A little bit more technically, when you're doing brain training exercises and the left and right side of the brains are working, the brain is working together, then you have neural connections that are being made. And that's a good thing. The more connections you have going on in your brain, the smarter you are and the quicker you can do things and the better you remember things. So when you talk about brain training, the activities basically focus on five main skills, attention, memory, processing, comprehension, and logical understanding. And I'll give you just a brief rundown of what each of those mean. So attention is basically when you if you pay attention well. And that can be whether your eyes can take in information and pay attention well to it, whether your ears can. And so those would be visual and auditory attention. It's the ability to be able to look at or hear something for a period of time. It's also being able to look at or hear something while distractions are happening in the background. So for instance, being able to read your book while a bird is chirping in the background, that would be called divided attention being able to maybe even concentrate on more than one thing at a time would also be divided attention. And flexible attention is the ability to be able to shift really quickly. So if you're reading a book and then you get your mom calls from the other room and says, hey, I need you to go take out the garbage really quickly, that you can put that book down, focus on what she said and go do it. So that's all related to attention. And then we have memory. Memory can be short-term memory long-term memory, and working memory. So short-term is being able to just remember something quickly until you can dismiss it, like a quick phone number that you need to call a bank really quick. You remember the phone number. You don't need to remember it further. Long-term memory would be where you need to file it in your brain, keep it for a while, keep it forever maybe. Like your multiplication tables. Yep, like multiplication. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And then working memory is being able to retrieve that long-term information while you're doing something else. 
Okay. Okay. And then the third thing I mentioned was processing. Processing. You think about the computer for a minute. When your computer's running really slow, we say its processing speed is slow. It's kind of the same thing with your brain. You want your processing speed to be able to take in information quickly. You want it to be able to pull out those long-term memory files quickly and bring them up front. That's your processing speed. And you can visually and auditorily process things. So you want to be able to take in visual and auditory information and process them correctly and quickly. Comprehension is probably very familiar to you. That's the ability to be able to understand and remember what you see here, what you're told, what you read. And finally, logical understanding is what I teach when I call it just logic. I call it logic. Some people might call it critical thinking. Some people might call it problem solving. But essentially, it's things like being able to form a plan, being able to prioritize what you need to do first, last, being able to solve problems. The comprehension and logical understanding are also higher order thinking skills. So you have to have several things kind of running in your brain at once for those to come out well, if that makes sense. Yeah, they kind of depend on some of the lower skills that you've already talked about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're obviously, you know, a lot about this stuff. So how did you even become interested in it? Well, one of my sweet children has always struggled with follow through. He's always struggled with ability to kind of maintain attention with whatever, whether it's what I'm saying or what he's reading. And he was always, I'm trying to be very careful about how I talk about my sweet baby. He's always kind of had trouble moving from one thing to another with ease without, you know, just being really flustered that things have changed. And in all of that together kind of equaled this scattered, almost ADHD type of personality that we never officially had diagnosed. It wasn't really super, super horrible, but it was something that I knew this is driving me crazy. This is driving him crazy. And I think that he could learn better if some of these issues were taken care of. So long story short, a lady at church said, Cindy... There is a brain training lady who wants to do a workshop here in our town, and she's wondering if I could gather some people who might be interested in this. Would you be interested? And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Tell me more about this. And so she kind of went through that brief rundown of what I gave you guys, and I went, oh, yeah, yes, that's what I'm thinking is the answer. So I went to her, gosh, it was a six or eight hour training in this, and she taught us exercises and games and the understanding of each one of these definitions and what they meant. And I knew that I was going to take that information she gave me, come home with it, try some of this stuff out on my son. And lo and behold, huge drastic changes. Okay. Huge, huge changes. So how many years ago do you think this was that you did this? Three-ish. Okay. Okay. And so what benefits have you seen from doing the brain training with your kids? So if you do brain training with a company, because there are companies that do this and you'll come and you will, I think they say about eight to 12 weeks consistently. So that means five days a week, they want your child for an hour. And they say, after that eight to 12 weeks, we guarantee you will see major results. And so I thought, well, I've got the tools in my hand to do some of these games. 
and some of these exercises, I'm going to give it an hour a day for eight weeks. We'll see what happens. And so we did that. And after about eight weeks, I started seeing, well, even before the eight weeks, by the end of the eight weeks, for sure, I started seeing that I could give a series of oral directions and the method that I was taught, which I can go into for you, the method I was taught, you know, we were up to him being able to understand and comprehend and, or understand and comprehend being the same thing, and do four or five directions at a time. So I could give him a list of four or five things to do. He could put them in his memory. He could go do them. And that was huge. It was also translating to being able to read directions on a paper and follow through with what those things said. I was able to see him sit for longer periods of time and completely finish work that before he would leave out a lot of things because he was so hurried to get it done that it wouldn't be done fully or correctly a lot of times. I also started to see that he was able to handle situations better. And what I mean by that is instead of just sort of an immediate frustration with whatever was going on, he was able to you kind of stop and think, do I need to be frustrated about this? Okay, I don't need to be frustrated and then move on with life. There were bunches. I could probably go on for quite some time, but there were definitely great changes in attention, in memory, in focus, in logical reasoning, in comprehension for sure. Okay, well, you and I have spoken before for the Your Morning Basket podcast, and you you were gracious enough to come on there and talk to us about things you could do in nature study in your morning time. And you mentioned to me then, because I asked you about your morning time and you said, well, we do something called brain training. And I just thought that Mm -hmm. was like a different little name you had for pretty much what was morning time. But this was something completely different that you were doing. So is that kind of how you fit it into your homeschool day? Where does it fit? Is it kind of a morning time thing for you? Okay, that's a very good question. We still call it brain training time rather than morning time, but it has transitioned. Originally, when we started these brain training activities, it was just the brain training activities and it went on for quite some time. After that eight weeks, we still call it brain training time because we do an activity or two every day. But morning time, again, looks more typical, which you know would include things like reading together, poetry, Shakespeare, whatever, geography games, whatever. But we still call it brain training time because I give the kids this picture that we're waking up our brains through the stuff that we're doing together. But yes, currently we are still doing a couple of brain training activities a day and that does take place in our morning family time together. Yeah, because I can see a homeschool mom listening to you. And actually, I'm listening to this because I've got, you know, some highly distractible children myself who find it very difficult to keep multiple steps or You tell them to do something and you walk out of the room and you come back an hour later and they never did it. And you know, they're not being disobedient. They're just scatterbrained. (laughs) And yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm thinking, hmm, and I've got one who's like that a lot. (laughs) So I'm thinking, this Mm -hmm. is good. But I think that's the question that a lot of moms would have is where in the world do I fit this in? And so basically you took a period of time you know, whether it be eight weeks or two months, well, I guess two months would be eight weeks or, you know, three or four months. And you did, you know, instead of doing a morning time, you just focused on those brain training exercises. And then once you kind of got past that initial phase, you fell into more of a maintenance pattern where you include a couple of brain training things as part of your morning time. And that kind of maintains you. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, And I will mention the professionals will tell you that after an hour of intense brain training, 
their brains should be tired. So if you really and truly are going to research this and do an hour of full-on brain training with your kids, then you may or may not expect full-time school after that. Even, you know, doing a few brain training activities to replace morning time and then going on to school is different than if you are full-on into eight weeks of serious brain training. Their brains should be almost too tired to do school after that. Okay, so if you're not looking to put aside academics for eight weeks, then that would be something you would want to schedule for, say, a summer period. Yes, and I would say that just doing some of the brain training activities versus, you know, the full on taking this seriously, we're doing this hard for eight weeks is still highly beneficial. Okay. And you could do those and do school for sure. Okay, well, give me just briefly one or two activities that you guys have done, because obviously, if somebody's interested in this, we're going to have some links to Cindy's site and places you can go to find out more information about it. You know, we're not going to be able to lay out everything for you in the next few minutes, but we do want to give you a couple of examples and then you can head over to the show notes for this episode to get links to more in-depth information. So Cindy, what's one or two different activities that are brain training activities? Okay. There is, I'm sure most of you have heard of the game Spot It. It's a cheap little game. You can buy any, you know, Walmart, Target type store. Little round thing, just these little tiny cards. And it's very simple. It's even simple for three-year-olds to do. It is a super brain training game because I don't know if you know what Spot It is. So let me try to describe. On these little round circular cards are all kinds of pictures. So in the middle is a card. You're to look at your card and try to match a picture from your card to a picture on the middle card. And if you match that, you get the card in the middle. Okay? So everybody's trying to do this at once. So what's happening with that little game is flexible attention because they're having to back and forth between these two cards, look at all these different pictures, and they're all kinds of pictures. So it's they're taking a lot of visual information with this. So obviously, it's visual processing. So visual processing with flexible attention because they're having to think back and forth between these cards, working memory because they're having to remember what's on the one card versus what's on mine, and processing speed because you want to work faster than everybody else around you. Because each one of these cards in the middle is going to match a picture on everyone else's card. It's just who finds the match first. So that simple little game is a blockbuster of a brain training activity. All right. And no prep, you know, for mom other than you just purchase the game. No prep. No prep at all. Another one that is more expensive, but... I love it, and I've loved it for years and years before I even realized how cool it was. It's called Quirkle, and it's Q-W-I-R-K-L-E. And it is a much slower pace. So we're not necessarily working on speed of processing in this game, but we're working on logical understanding. We've got to be able to match colors and shapes and look at their similarities and their differences and put these shapes in order so that we can earn more points than anyone else. So you've got visual processing going on, flexible attention because your mind always has to be looking at these different shapes and planning out in your mind where to put them and logical understanding. So another power-packed game for brain training. Okay, so from the examples that you're giving me, it sounds like these are things that the kids are really going to be into doing. 
With yes. Okay. Yes. Now, if you were to take some kind of course on brain training and everything, almost everything having to do with brain training is game-like. But if you took a serious course and they said, okay, so these are the things you're going to do, by the end of an hour, even game-like stuff is, it's like if you do your 50th sit-up and you've only been used to doing 40, you're tired by number 50. So even game-like stuff at the end of a full hour of this is a lot of work on that brain. So while it should be a lot of fun, don't always think that the kids are going to jump for joy if, if their brains are really being stretched. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about if we have some moms at home listening, and maybe they really don't have kids who appear to be struggling in any way with any of these mm-hmm. kind of attention challenges. So can brain training help kids who aren't struggling? The research says that brain training is fabulous for everybody. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about the high schooler who's preparing for ACT or SAT tests, who needs to just be able to get their processing speed faster and their comprehension a little crisper. I'm talking about Alzheimer's patients. There's research that says Alzheimer's patients who do brain training activities actually reverse some of that loss in cognitive skill because they're building neurons. 40-somethings who walk into the pantry and go, oh my goodness, why was I here? They can benefit. I don't know any 40-somethings who do that. (laughs) I have no idea. No, I have no idea who I'm talking about here either. (laughs) So yeah, the research is out that these activities are fabulous, no matter your age, which is why a lot of times I'm doing these alongside my kids, because not only do I want to have fun with them, but it's an exercise for me as well. Okay, so I do want to be sure that we kind of talk about this next thing. So I'm like you, I have a child who I can see could probably use a little bit of focused attention, strengthening and things like that, but it's not a huge problem. But what about somebody who has a child really struggling? Is there a time when you it's time to seek out other kinds of help. Yeah. I have two posts on my site, one about visual attention and processing and one about auditory attention and processing that kind of go into the symptoms. And so, for instance, on the visual attention, if you've got a three-year-old who's not recognizing differences in shapes or letters or numbers, then you work on that a little bit. But if you've got a seven or eight-year-old who's still struggling with that, you start to realize, wait a minute, this probably isn't really normal. They should be able to tell me a circle from a square at this point. Or if you're trying to do pattern activities with them, let's say you're laying down a penny, a nickel, a penny, a nickel, a penny, a nickel, and it's right in front of them and they're having trouble repeating that pattern or creating that pattern on their own and they're, say, seven or eight, then you realize, okay, maybe we've got more going on. And I think parents are very intuitive about this. You know when, all right, you're not listening to me. We need to back up for a minute. We need to focus on some of these activities to help you listen better versus, are you even hearing me? Are you even understanding what I'm saying? So if you ever get that nudge in your gut that they're not seeing things well, maybe for glasses sakes, or they're not processing what they're seeing well. So what's going in from their eyes to their brain just isn't quite making that connection or the same with hearing. If you physically think that they can't hear because maybe they don't turn around when you say their name and they're not facing you 
or they're not repeating things clearly, not speaking in clear words or something, then it's time to get professional help. And there are different places you can go. If you notice some visual stuff, you want to go to the eye doctor. If you notice some auditory stuff, you want to go to an audiologist. If you notice some severe ADHD type behavior or just they're not understanding what they're reading ever and we're really working hard on this, then of course you might want to see your general practitioner, doctor, or these brain training places that are popping up all over the place where they will evaluate your kids and kind of pinpoint if they're truly having problems somewhere. Um, So yeah, I always, always say if you got this gut feeling that this is more than just playing a few games and strengthening the brain, then you need to go and see a professional. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Cindy. Well, I have something brand new and you are the first guinea pig. I'm going to try it out on. Are you ready for this? I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. (laughs) All right. This is a new segment in the Homeschool Snapshots podcast and we are calling it the Fast Five. And so you get to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is one thing in your Amazon cart right now? Nothing. I just ordered Ember Falls by S.D. Smith. Okay, you only keep one thing in your Amazon cart. (laughs) No, Ember Falls was an emergency order because we just read The Green Ember and my son could not wait to finish the sequel. So yes, I keep things in my Amazon cart. It had just been purchased. So Ember Falls was, oh my goodness, we have to order this today. So yeah, there you go. Nothing is currently in my cart though. Favorite family read aloud ever. That is not possible because everything is. But I will say that if you ask my nine-year-old, 10-year-old, what we just read, or actually his favorite, we just finished The Green Ember and he went cuckoo over this book. He went absolutely cuckoo over this book. So he would say that is his favorite ever. I would say as a family, anything by E. Nesbitt, we have all thoroughly enjoyed boys and girls alike. Okay. Best field trip ever. To tie between the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky. All right. What are you reading right now? I read what my kids are reading, and I'm reading Ember Falls. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Smith is going to have to like send me residuals for this podcast. I know. <laughs> yeah, I have no affiliation with this man whatsoever. I need to contact him, and yeah, we need to have a talk. He's awesome. Okay, last one. (laughs) I have got to have blank to get me through the day. I wish I didn't, but I have to have some chocolate to get me through the day. There you go. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to talk with you, Pam. I can be found online at ourjourneywestward.com, where I'm blogging about creative Charlotte Mason style homeschooling. And I have just brought Shining Dawn books over to Our Journey Westward. So that shop is now on ourjourneywestward.com. And that's where you can find all of the nature explorers and loving living maps and all those goodies. All right. Well, thank you, Cindy. Thank you. And there you have it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And I have a confession to make. That was actually the first time I've ever placed an Amazon order during a podcast recording. But I went over and I picked up that Spot It game 
right away to take on our family vacation next week. But we will have a link for you to all of the resources, the games, the links to Cindy's blog that we talked about all about brain training. And uh, just so you can go over and check out what Cindy's doing in her homeschool. She's always got a lot of great things going on. And you can find those links on the show notes for this episode at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP42. We'll have everything gathered up for you right there to make it easy on you to find. You can also leave a comment for Cindy or myself on that page right there and we'll both get that. Also on that page, we have for you directions on how to leave a rating or review for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast on iTunes if you are so inclined. The ratings and reviews that you leave on iTunes help us to get the word out about the podcast to new listeners. And we really do appreciate those of you who have taken the time to do that. Well, you guys have an awesome week. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great homeschool mom to interview. And until then, keep on homeschooling. 